welcome to another episode of Are We There Yet? Navigating Life's Journey on Your Own Terms. My name is Sandy Hughes and I am your host. Grief isn't something you get over with the passing of time. It's something you transcend with growth. I don't claim to be an expert on grief, but I'm learning that there is no one way to deal with the loss of a loved one. Each situation can be different than another. I reacted very differently to losing a friend to heroin than when I lost my father to cancer. In this episode, we are going to examine the different ways in which people grieve and some guidance in moving through the grieving process and finding meaning around it. But first, a story. I had just returned to Denver after traveling to South Florida when I got a call from my parents. I was a bit surprised they were calling because they would normally make their phone calls on the weekends. And my concerns were verified when my father told me that he was diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer. My whole body stiffened and seemed to stop functioning for a brief moment. My dad told me that there's no concern at this time and that the doctors are working hard to determine the best course of action. That made me feel a little better, but deep down I knew something was different. After we hung up, I immediately googled pancreatic cancer, to which I found disturbing results. It was considered one of the most aggressive and deadly cancers around. The survival rate for stage 4 cancer was not good. I broke down and the tears rolled down my face as I told my roommate that my father was dying. Three weeks later, I was on a plane to Salt Lake City, Utah. I met my brother Carl at the airport and together we drove down to Provo where my parents lived. I was not prepared for what I saw as I entered the house. There in the living room was my father lying on a hospital bed, weak and unconscious. They had set up a hospice in my parents' home and had my father on morphine to keep him comfortable. But I was a strong person and I didn't let my emotions show as I hugged my mother, my oldest brother Paul, and my sister Catherine. After spending several minutes with my family bringing me up to date, I excused myself and went into my parents' bedroom. I shut the door, sat on the bed, and wept. My mother came in and sat beside me. I just have never seen Dad weak, I said. I didn't expect this. This is really hard. My mother put her arms around me and said, Honey, it's okay not to be the strong one for once. You have not seen your dad through the last several months getting weaker and weaker. We have. So it's not a shock for us, but it is a shock for you. And it's okay to feel these emotions. I took a moment to contemplate my emotions and come to terms with my father's state of being. I knew he was going to die. How I was going to handle his last hours, that was the question I needed to answer for myself. After I sat with my thoughts for a time, I went back out to my father. I think one of the hardest things for me was that he was unconscious. But I felt as though he could still comprehend what was said. So I just talked to him. I held his hand and I told him that I was happy, that I was a good person, and that he could be proud of me. I told him that I loved him. I told him that I forgave him. 
I assured him that we would all take care of Mom and Catherine and that he need not worry about them. I told him that it was okay for him to let go now. My sister was giving Dad one of her famous foot massages. He loved foot massages. My mom was in the kitchen with my two older brothers, and I was there at my dad's side holding his hand and just talking with him and telling him his own famous Grandpa Fido stories. Suddenly, I felt a tiny squeeze from my father. He was trying to tell me something, and I instinctively knew what he wanted. We all gathered around my father one last time and said our goodbyes. With tears in her eyes, my mother told him that she loved him and that she would be okay. Once more, I told my father that it was okay. He could go now. And with that, I felt his pulse get slower and slower until there was complete stillness. We knew at that moment that my father had passed away. There were tears in our eyes as we sat there with him and thanked him for being the man that he was. Then we were just quiet. There were no more words that needed to be spoken. There was just stillness. The ripples in the pond had faded away until the water was completely still. That's how it felt, and it was one of the most spiritual experiences that I have ever had. When we lose someone close to us, there are many emotions that can swirl around within us. Shock, sadness, fear, anger, numbness, peace, compassion, love, empathy. There are no rules for loss. Yet we often feel guilty if we don't deal with death the way society thinks we should. They say that there are six stages of grief. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, and meaning. Not everyone goes through these steps in order, nor do they have a definitive period of time that they have to go through each step. Eckhart Tolle said, The natural way of healing after the death of a loved one is suffering at first. Then there is a deepening, and in that deepening, you go to a place where there is no death. And the fact that you felt that means you went deep enough. Conditioned as your mind is by society, the contemporary world you live in, which knows nothing about that dimension, your mind then tells you that there is something wrong with this. But that's a conditioned thought by the culture you live in. So instead, we recognize when this happens, when that thought comes, recognize it as a conditioned thought that is not true. Toll gives guidance on how to overcome the suffering associated with losing someone. Here are some things that he mentions. Suffering comes from attachment. It's not the loss that causes us to suffer. It's the way we have attached ourselves to what we have lost. It's not that we shouldn't care about what we lost, but we should eventually be able to recognize that the suffering is just the ego's attachment to the loss. Accepting loss. If attachment causes the suffering, how do we let go of attachment and accept the loss? It's probably going to seem impossible to do at the beginning. The most meaningful thing I've read about accepting loss is that if you can't accept it, at least accept the fact that you can't accept it. That's much easier to do. 
That little step opens a tiny bit of space that will begin your transcendence into acceptance. The third thing Eckhart talks about is being mindful. Thoughts cloud our perception of reality. A 10-minute meditation practiced daily over time will quiet those thoughts and give us just enough clarity to choose to ignore the thoughts when they do arise. Imagine you are swimming across a lake carrying a big load of rocks. Those rocks are our thoughts and they will weigh us down until we go under. Mindfulness is like giving us a boat. We still must carry the load of rocks across the lake, but with the boat, we are now able to do it. And finally, he says that nothing is ever really lost anyway. Eckhart says, imagine a cloud in the sky. Eventually, the cloud will turn to rain and the rain falls to the ground and becomes a river, which eventually runs into the sea. The cloud may not be visible anymore, but it certainly has not been lost. That's just like the loved ones we are grieving. They aren't really, truly lost. Today we are going to talk with a young woman who has experienced a painful loss and find out how she was able to move past the suffering, past the grief, and find meaning in her life. It was the greatest time to experience a deep sense of joy and fulfillment. Jenny and her husband, Jason, were pregnant with their third child. They hadn't told anyone yet, but were even more excited when they learned that Jenny's sister, Nikki, was also pregnant and were only a week apart from Jenny. This was Nikki's first pregnancy, and she was beyond excited. She thought up creative ways to tell each family member, and it was a joy to see her and her husband, David, so happy. We all couldn't wait. Unfortunately, this pregnancy came to an early end with a miscarriage that devastated Nikki and David. It was hard on all of us, but it was especially hard on Jenny, who still hadn't told the family of her pregnancy. I remember the day she told me. It was bittersweet for her. It was filled with both joy and sadness. She was so sensitive to her sister's feelings and her loss she felt a certain amount of guilt about that. She was pregnant. Nikki had lost her baby. It was a difficult time for all of us, and we all felt a little hesitant to show our excitement. Today's guest is one of my most favorite people on the planet, and also happens to be my youngest child. I think we can all learn from her experience of losing a child and how she met that devastation head-on. So, without further ado... Let me welcome Nikki to our show. Thank you for letting me on your show and and um and doing this. It's pretty cool and uh what an honor to be able to be a part of your life story, you know. This this podcast has been a big journey of who you are and just being able to uh be birthed from you. It's you're a pretty cool person yourself. So well, thank you. Thank you, honey. Today's podcast, how we move through grief and find meaning in it. There's so much that comes up for us. You know, based on the situation, there's different ways that we that we handle it. We move through it. What was the grieving process that you went through? What was your loss and your experience with that? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting because, you know, 
all grief is different and all grief is valid, you know, and, and I think no matter what stage it is in or how big or how small you might think it is, it's still valid. So I actually last summer, my husband, David, and I had created a life <laughs> and this this life was something that we had planned on and I got pregnant in June and about seven weeks later, I had actually lost the baby. So that, that was my loss and that was my grief. It doesn't really matter how I felt through it. It mattered that I felt through it, you know, and experiencing all of the emotions was a very important process for me. And yeah, it is, it is much more common than you would think. You know, I had, I, I didn't really think much about miscarriages or how common they are about one in four women experience it. Yeah, it was, it was surprising to say the least. Um, it didn't look like what I've seen in the movies, what a miscarriage would look like. Uh, it was very mm -hmm. slow process and it was very silent process. And I think in general, when it had happened, when I was experiencing it, I didn't accept that it is what it was. So, you know, that there's all of the stages of grief and the denial was a big part of it. And I think that having denial through this grief actually caused my body to hold on to this, this, you know, life inside me. Yeah, it wasn't until I had a doctor's appointment to go see an ultrasound tech. And it was hard because David was in Denver and I was in Longmont. And so I actually got this last minute appointment because I didn't have an OBGYN yet. I just had my primary care physician. So I felt like I didn't have anyone to call. And so she had recommended this hospital, which I ended up going to, to get this emergency ultrasound. And it was a hard process because I had to go by myself. So I went and saw the tech and she did a scan and she had said, there's the baby. And then after she had said that, she was silent the whole rest of the time. And at the end, I asked her, can you tell me anything? And she said, no. <laughs> so you didn't know you were going to miscarry at this point? I was spotting. When you have questions about things, you know, these days, you go to online resources and you see what's normal and what's not normal. And a lot of the online stuff said, it could be the case that you're having a miscarriage, but it could be the case that you're just spotting because that also happens in pregnancy. Right. And <laughs> you felt something was off. Something was not yes. right. Wow. Yeah. It didn't feel right. And my, my soonest appointment was two weeks after that. And I just couldn't wait that long. So hence the emergency. So I get home and David meets me at home and we get a call from the doctor and I've never met this doctor in real life, but she was so sweet on the phone and she confirmed that this was a miscarriage and she was kind about it. I could feel her hug through the phone and yeah, it was, it was tough. David and I had sat there after the phone call holding each other and just, just mourning the, the loss of this life. This, this potential, you know, idea of what our future would have been. We were imagining what it would be like to have a baby and to grow with a, a child. And, and just in that minute, it was gone. 
Wow. So it was it was very surprising, but at that point there was a there was a sense of relief after the phone call along with the morning. So while there was much sadness, there was also relief because now I had an answer. And at that point, my body worked. It just worked. And it handled this situation so gracefully. And you're experiencing a miscarriage or a loss. Being able to have the trust in your body to process it felt so good. And the next day, it was painful. But my body was able to push through this and work through letting go. About one to two weeks for when I had the spotting. And that's kind of when I knew and the doctor confirmed it that the baby had gone. And I was holding on to this. My body was holding on to this. And when I got that confirmation, my body was finally able to let go and process this. I think, you know, this this is the the only miscarriage I've had till now. So I don't know how the process looks for other women. But for myself, I was able to sit on the floor and move and rotate my core and rotate my hips and process this through my body instead of just holding still and clenching and being tight. I was able to just find this flow and movement and my, my body just did what it needed to, to release this baby. And within this day, you know, this, this one day after being told that I had lost this baby, my body processed it and it was done. So it was, it was a pretty intense, long process, but it was that one day that just really sticks out in my mind as, as this like powerful release, if that makes yeah. sense. A bit more of like a, the spiritual that you were talking about. It, that's kind of what I relate it to is like the spiritual like process. How wonderful that you, you felt your body was communicating something to you. Yeah. And you, you said you were in denial. No, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. And then you finally went, I need to listen to my body. And you found out that you had lost the baby. You then you connected and you were able to use that and connect with it and process it in a releasing way and spiritual way. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the whole process, it's really hard, but I'm incredibly grateful for that, that grief because it taught me this lesson that I can trust in myself and in my body. And David and I are actually pregnant. Uh, well, I am pregnant. He is not pregnant. <laughs> no, you both are. You but... say that. <laughs> well, we're both having yes, you a baby. Are. <laughs> so I'm currently 25 weeks pregnant. And going into this, it's I've never had a baby. And so going through this grief has taught me that I am I am so much stronger than I realized and that I can trust my body. And going into this into labor with this future child, I feel so much more confident because I know that my body is going to take care of me, you know, that, that this vessel that I'm in, whatever, you know, whatever the soul spirit being inside my head is writing in this body, it's, I can trust it, you know, I can trust this form. 
at this point, you know, I, it's been, been almost a year and, um, and I feel confident that I can trust my body. And that doesn't mean that it's not going to be hard, you know, because the, the miscarriage was hard. Um, and the, the movement and the body was, it was painful, but I was able to work through it and breathe through it. And my body worked and it's, I'm so grateful that my body is working. And, and that kind of goes back to, you know, the multiple stages of grief, like what could I have done? And it's, it's hard because miscarriages, they just can happen. You know, they just happen. And it could be no reason at all that you have one. You know, it's, it's something so much deeper that we don't, we don't really understand. You know, there could be just genetics, like missing, like there's, there's a code missing or something with the baby growing something off. So your body has to release it to, to keep the baby safe and to keep you safe, you know? Right. And, and many women, when they have a miscarriage, they feel that guilt. They feel like they did something wrong and they need to understand that that's okay. It's okay to have those feelings. None of your feelings are wrong. Yeah. Experience the suffering and move through it. You really found some amazing meaning in all of this. And that is trusting your body. Yeah. And that is incredible. And you were super excited And what you didn't know at the time was that your sister was also pregnant. You were a week apart. And when you told us that you lost the baby, she went through a grieving process of her own. She helped so much. I'm going to cry just starting to think about this. Um, And it's okay to cry on on my podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I am forever grateful to Jenny for doing this, you know, my, my sister and she, she was there in full support while she was going through her pregnancy, which I had no idea at the time, but she wanted to be there for me. And she was in, in like such a beautiful way. David and I were both sitting through this grief and, you know, part of the grief was just not having any motivation. Right. So David and I pretty much just stayed in the house with each other, just mourning, you know, and, um, and Jenny had just constantly ordered us groceries and like that in itself, while it may seem, you know, not like a big deal, but just the fact that she was there to order us groceries and get us snacks and healthy foods was just so so caring. Wow. And and I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. Such a gracious person. Oh yeah. Yeah. That that was honestly honestly like that helped us get through it so much. You know, and so it's like if I could if I could recommend out to anyone who's listening, how can you support someone who's going through grief? Just being there to help make sure that they're fed is yeah. so huge. Yeah. We don't think of even just the basic needs that yeah. could be taken care of and handled because when somebody's going through grief, they, they can't think, they can't act. Yeah. They don't feel like going to the grocery store. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so wonderful. Jenny was still pregnant when mm-hmm. you got pregnant again. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so you both were still able to share a pregnancy together. Yeah. And how incredible was that? You know? Yeah. Jenny's just really awesome. <laughs> it's cool. If you if you don't have an older sister, I recommend one. <laughs> Get one quick. <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah. There was a lot of sacred and, and meaningful aspects of, of this situation. Um, I, again, don't know what other people do during their miscarriages but my my miscarriage being at a, at about eight weeks it didn't require me to go to a hospital so I I just experienced it with with myself um, at home and it feels like a limb or something a part of you that's lost but this part of you is its own form its own being but when I had experienced it, I actually had the chance to hold the baby and it's very, very small, but having this connection with this baby and, and I was able to hold it in my hand, you know? And so I actually had taken that baby and I had buried it in one of my plants and it was a very specific plant that I chose because it was a prayer plant. And I related it to this spiritual dimension where like you said, this energy is not created or destroyed. It's just flowing through. And so I took this baby and I planted it in the prayer plant, imagining that energy flowing into my prayers for the future. Um, wow. And in prayer plants, if no one knows, um, at nighttime, they will lift up their leaves towards the skies so it looks like they're praying at night. And so I I really felt that as kind of like this portal, this energy flow into the future of creation and movement and and cycling, you know, all these different cycles. Wow. That's the epitome right there of sacred dimension. Yeah. Of, you know, taking this and almost rebirthing it. We're connected with the soil. We are connected with the plants and with the mm -hmm. rocks and the trees and with each other. That was a sacred ceremony and amazing connection to Mother Earth and saying, here, take this of me and take care and nurture. That is so incredible. Yeah. My prayer plant's doing very nicely, too. So it's... it's <laughs> It's really Aww. cool to see. Hard to find the the right word. There's there's a word that yeah. I I want to use. Um, but it's the this cycling of this this being, you know, into the roots and the energy. And I and I can see it. I can see this baby, you know, in another form. Wow, reincarnate. Yeah, so incredible. Yeah, it's it's it was really interesting the the first uh first few months and you know, I I think I'm at a point now so the baby's moving and I'm feeling kicks and I think it was probably hiccuping last night because it just kept on bouncing. <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah, for the for the first few months I 
kind of funny how I found out that I was pregnant again. Um, David and I actually went to a festival, a gem festival in, in Tucson, Arizona. And I went to the store and I bought a box of tampons and a pregnancy test. (laughs) (laughs) That's a combination. Yeah. (laughs) I had a feeling and I bought both because I wanted to just make a healthy choice while I was at this festival. And I had taken the pregnancy test and I went to the quarter potties (laughs) and I took this pregnancy test and it came back positive. And I was stunned. I was very surprised and I was nervous. And it brought up all of these feelings from the loss of the last pregnancy. You know, it just felt very yin and yang. You know, the first pregnancy, it was just like, I was psyched about it. And then this pregnancy is just like, oh no, like what if I'm not good enough to hold on to this baby? Or what if this happens again and then I'll have more of a chance of having a miscarriage of the future than more of a chance and then more of a chance, you know? So it, it just kind of started building up and, and I was like, are we ready for this? Are we ready to go through the emotional aspects of having this kid? And so at first I was very, I was very shocked and I did feel sad. You know, I felt sad for the loss of the, the baby uh, previously. And so that was at about four weeks into the pregnancy. And then for the next few months, I had a lot of denial to it. We started the, the renovation on the coffee shop. And I, I was helping a lot at the beginning in January. But then in February, when I found out that I was pregnant and that I started feeling sick more and more, for the next two months, February to March, I just just didn't do much but I was still denying the fact that I was pregnant and I was still nervous of like well what if this happens again you know the the funny thing about feelings is that you can't really control them you know I just let them happen but to be able to step back and and witness those feelings and just see that I was feeling that way and walking back and taking those steps back to why was I feeling that way? It was a really interesting kind of take back, you know, like this play back and forth. Yeah. Well, and, and I think I remember it was hard for you. You were hesitant to get excited in the beginning because you didn't want to go through that emotional roller coaster again, if you will. Oh, totally. Yeah, I love feeling this baby kick. It is the cutest thing ever. What a beautiful story. I do want to give a shout out to Coffee Shop in Longmont, Colorado. And so if you're visiting Denver, it is worth the drive to go up to Sandy's Coffee and Tea. Thank you. I'm I'm underneath the counter right now. (laughs) (laughs) She has a hidden counter. And she didn't name it just after me. David's mom is also named Sandy. Yeah, this this shop is really a, uh, it's really the insides of both David's and my head. And we got that a lot from our moms. (laughs) Well, Nikki, it was an absolute honor to have you as part of my podcast. 
Oh, it's it's such a pleasure to be on here. I've been wanting to share this for a while because I think it's important to talk about not only for myself, but for other people out there as well. It's, you know, you're you're not alone. Yes. Today we learned of different ways in which a person can move through grief. I think for me, it is important to be gentle with myself. Though I felt a strong spiritual connection to my father when he passed away, I felt a lot of guilt when my friend died of a heroin overdose. I thought that I should have been there to prevent it. I was her sponsor, after all. Nikki dealt with her loss in a way that gave her life meaning and purpose. I think the key is to allow the feelings and emotions to come, not judge them, but experience them, and then, like a passing cloud, let them go. Eckhart Tolle has given us an incredible insight into moving through loss. He gave us four ways to help us. Understanding that suffering comes from attachment, accepting the loss, becoming mindful, and realizing that nothing is ever really lost anyway. Now this doesn't mean that you will never feel sad again. Sadness is like the waves in the ocean. They come and go. But in between the waves of sadness, there is a peace. And as you sense that peace, you sense the essence of the person as well, this timeless essence. So death can become a very sacred thing, not just a dreadful thing. Death can help you find the sacred dimension of life where life is indestructible. Surrendering opens up to complete acceptance. By honoring that sacred dimension, and letting go of the thoughts and explanations, that is where you find meaning. Meaning for yourself and meaning for others. Eckhart also told us, People may say, well, he or she will move on to reincarnate. Or, they have now gone to some place of rest. They're in a better place. Well, that may be comforting, but you can go into a deeper place than that where you don't need any explanations or comfort from others. A state of immediate realization of the sacredness of death. Because what opens up when the form dissolves itself is life beyond form. That is the only thing that is sacred. That is the sacred dimension. My name is Sandy Hughes. Thank you for listening.